This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back to Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv and streaming and audio on AMIplus.ca. I'm Alex Mike in for Dave Brown. It's Wednesday, December 13th, 2023. Coming up on the second hour of the show, the Mohawk Student Association has recruited a new student on their board. Emily Shavers explains how she'll utilize the role to improve accessibility for students on campus. And it's the time for New Year's resolutions. A new Paula gives advice on how to better tackle your goals. All that and more on the second hour of the show. But first, the Huron Carol is celebrating its 36th anniversary. The benefit concert graced the stages of the Rebecca Cohn Auditorium in Halifax a couple weeks ago. Now, it's time to set, it's set to captivate audiences once more through a series of special presentations on APTN. Tom Jackson is the founder and host of the Huron Carol, and through this benefit, he has raised over $250 million in hum, uh, for various humanitarian causes. He is a renowned musician, actor, and activist, and he joins in now. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Alex. It's nice to be here. So first off, I want to congratulate you on 36 years of this benefit concert. Who did you bring on stage with you when you had the uh, concert this year in Halifax? I've got uh, my good friend Shannon Gay. Natalie, I, I know all of these folks. So, so when I say my good friend, you can just put that in front of the, the names. But uh, Shannon Gay, Natalie McMaster, Beverly Mahood, Andrea Menard, Bill Silk, uh, Misha Burger-Gosman-Lee, Lorena McKennett, the Halifax Camerata Singers, and uh, members from the Sullivan's, Co Sullivan's Crossing cast, namely uh, Scott Peterson, Morgan Cohan, and Chad Michael Murray. Oh, that's phenomenal. Now, the Huron Carol is actually based off of Canada's oldest Christmas Carol, which shares the, the same name. So how has the benefit concert evolved over the past three decades? Well, it's been quite the journey. Um, this project started in Toronto. Um, I had uh, a different part of my life then. I was living in a hole in the ground when I was 38 years old. And um, I was the architect of my own demise, you might say. And one night, I had a, a visitor. And a visitor came to me and said, you know what, Tom? I'm going to send you an angel that's worse off than you. And if you help that angel, I'm going to help you. And I said, well, how would I know this angel? Is it going to have wings? And he said, no. But I decided to take the challenge. And when I went out looking for the angel, I realized that there were a lot of angels out there that were worse off than me. And that basically brought me here to you. But on that first year, I went to Council Fire, which was an organization uh, downtown Toronto and still exists. And they had um, a shortage of hampers the year before. 
And I said, how many? And they said, about 300. And they said, you know, why don't we, why don't we see if we can buy the hampers, buy the food? And uh, so I called a number of my friends. And, uh, we put on this concert because we were in the territory of Huronia. We called it the Huron Carol. Um, and it was uh, originally uh, in an old bar, uh, which was called the Buck, <laughs> Silver Dollar. But they uh, opened up the Buck for us. And I called my friends and we had, uh, did a show. Now, we didn't raise that much money at that first show. But what did happen was people like you um, got a hold of the story and thought it was worth talking about. And it caught wind in the city. And the next day after the show, I went to Council Fire, and there was um, cars and trucks full of food uh, for Council Fire for about, a, let's see, about a mile. We called them miles back then. But that's how it started. And uh, and it continued and evolved, and I ran into organizations, food banks and, and the like, um, that needed help. And so it kept evolving and over the 36 years, as you mentioned, it's raised a significant amount of money for those who are in need. Yeah, it, it's, 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 it's so phenomenal. And, and so for this year's uh, benefit concert, you chose to support the Canadian Red Cross. Why were they chosen uh, to, to partner with and support this year? I've been an ambassador for the Canadian Red Cross for uh, a decade. And this year, uh, there's been all sorts of challenges with water, wind, and fire uh, across the country, First Nation communities. And the Red Cross is always there up front, and it's always there at the back. So they're there before, they're there afterwards. And I applaud them, uh, and I champion them as much as I can. And this year, because we're out on the East Coast, there was so many uh, tragic events that happened out here this year. I thought to myself, well, maybe we can do something while we're here. And that's why it uh, ended up here in Halifax. And so can you tell me a bit more of what those donations are are going to be going towards within uh, when when folks are encouraged to donate to the Canadian Red Cross? Well, there um, the Red Cross services First Nations right across the country. So this isn't just for uh, the Mi'kmaq, who are the traditional people here. It's not just for these folks. It's people for uh, for across the country, like uh, Yellowknife and Hay River and places like that, and Fort Mac and um, into BC. And this show uh, represents and covers the country from the Yukon Northwest Territories, goes into BC, uh, goes into the prairies and Ontario and the Quebec, and it ends up uh, landing in the Maritimes here. Tom, thank you so much for, for coming on and, and telling us a bit more about uh, the Huron Carol. I'm excited to check it out when it airs on APTN. Have yourself a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Have an awesome day. <laughs> that is Tom Jackson, who is the founder and host of the Huron Carol. As mentioned, the concert will air on December 14th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And there will be encore presentations over through the holiday season. So you can also stream it on APTN Lumi for December 14th and onwards. So to learn more about 
how to donate to the Canadian Red Cross. You can visit huroncarol.ca. And just so you know, Carol is spelled C-A-R-O-L-E. C-A-R-O-L-E. That was Tom Jackson. Now, let's shift gears a bit and talk about the world of sports for a sports chat with Brock Richardson. Brock, you've had one major story kind of on your mind, a thought, so to speak, all about players and pro athletes and their connection to playing in Canada and, depending on the league, Toronto specifically. Yeah, so we're talking about Canada as a whole, but I'm using the Toronto uh, story as the jumping pad for the conversation. I spent a lot of time yesterday uh, listening to different uh, radio programs, and they were talking a lot about uh, Shohei Otani and him uh, not signing with the Blue Jays, which is still a, a top story. But one of the things that came out was starting pitcher Kevin Gosman for the Toronto Blue Jays posted on X, formerly known as Twitter, and he said, I hate seeing people talk crap he did not use the word crap but for television i will say that uh about toronto like they know what they're talking about and and he he's talking about the fact that if you're not in toronto you don't necessarily know what the fan fan base is like he went on to say um until you are here and you know how passionate the fan base is you don't really know. So that spawned a conversation for me to have with you. Of why do you think it's so hard for people to grasp how good the fan base is in Toronto when they don't really know? Well, I, I think in the context of less, uh, so Kevin Gossman, obviously a pitcher in the MLB for the Toronto Blue Jays. If, if you examine it from the perspective of baseball and basketball, where Toronto is the only team in the uh, in the league that's not in the U.S. There, there is just a kind of, I, I, I guess it's like a misconception. It, it's the idea that well, it, it's kind of Toronto. It's just a little quirky place, you know. Oh, it's it's in Canada. Oh, they don't really care. Like baseball is America's pastime. All oh, basketball is truly an American game. The Americans always dominate, and you know we have all the big stars, things like that. I think that it's built on that kind of reputation. And with the exception of the Raptors, I mean, the Blue Jays haven't really won anything since the early 90s. So it's also there's that recency bias as well that, you know, it can sometimes be hard to attract uh, major stars to go to this market. But when you are exploring it from those two leagues, you also have such a captivated audience that is unlike any other um, kind of market in, in the league because you have one team for an entire country. You have a diehard fan base that is willing to support you, but also be hypercritical of you at the same time. So there's a lot of pressure that can come from it as well. Now, the, it may change depending on the sport. Obviously, as you stop hockey and being a Maple Leaf fan or player in Toronto, it's a completely different story. But I, I think there's just a... There, there are misconceptions that haven't really been dispelled. And, and that's really where I view it. What about you, Brock? It it almost feels like when you talk about uh, baseball and basketball being like there's only the one Canadian uh, franchise, it almost sort of feels like to me that the American media feels like, as you point out, 
that they're almost far away. It's almost like we're in a whole different league of our own and we just kind of come along and, and, and play in the league. I, I, I do think that's part of it. As a, as a sort of follow-up question, do you think it's as simple as if Toronto sports teams, a la the Blue Jays and Raptors, it wasn't too long ago since the Raptors did this, but if they won more championships, do you think the perception would change or is it just this is going to be the perception? Doesn't matter whether they win five, six, ten championships, two, whatever the number is. I, I think that's it's always going to to have be that perception there. Even when the Raptors won, right? There, the people were very quick to be like, "Oh, there's an asterisk around this. Oh, this is kind of because it was a, it was during like you know the the pandemic era, and it's just like people are like, "Well, is it really a championship? You know, how good are?" The, the Raptors and, and oh, do they Durant really got injured, yeah. yada, 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 yeah. E exactly, exactly. So there was always going to be these caveats. But I mean, you look at a market of Toronto. Yeah, you look at baseball and uh, basketball. Well, they're in Milwaukee. They're in some of these like sm uh, football. You know, you, you have markets of like a Green Bay, Wisconsin. Toronto is a far bigger market than kind of these places, yet it, it never quite gets that same respect. Those those conversations are never had in, in those markets. So it, it is unfair. I think it's something they're always gonna have to put up with. And until you get a ton of big marketable stars saying, hey, I'm choosing to go to Toronto, I think that perception is gonna stay the same. You get stars that go there, but not faces of the league that are in those uh, in on those teams and in in Canada. So until that changes, I, I think this perception will. Yeah, remain. because even Kawhi, just very quickly, people will yeah. say he didn't choose to be here. He was traded here. Uh, yeah. And and I think to your point, that's part of it. Until someone, like you said, until someone decides I'm going to be here. And I think Shohei Otani was the quote unquote closest we could have got until someone decides of uh, high stature name until someone decides I'm going to stay here that's when it's going to change and I think Shohei Otani may have been able to change that but obviously he chose not to and he chose to do something that he wanted to do and he's within his rights to do that if he's going to make money he's going to he's he's able to do that and that's what the benefit of free agency is in sports yeah, I also don't think Toronto was going to give them $700 million, but that's a moot point at this, <laughs> this stage. Brock, thank you so much. Have yourself a wonderful day. Thank you. That was Brock Richardson at the Sport Desk. Coming up after the break, the Mohawk Student Association has recruited a new student on their board of directors, Emily Shavers. She will explain how she'll utilize the role to improve accessibility for students on campus. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.